Hello and welcome to the ETOF 2-1 Sports Podcast for September 22nd. How is everyone doing? My name is Eric. I'm the man behind ETOF 2-1 Sports. We have an absolutely loaded, loaded episode for you today. David makes his return back. Him and I are going to talk some NFL, talk our bets for the weekend. I'll have a player prop and a side. David will have a first half bet and a side. Nick comes on, talk some DFS. You've been following Nick's DFS stuff, bet on fire. We're going to build, share the three guys we're building our team around for this weekend slate of games. Plus, Jim's going to come on where to talk some XFL share of bets for this week. And Brandon will have his NASCAR bets. But before we jump into all that, I need to talk about that Thursday night football game. My first thing with Thursday night football game is how the hell did the 49ers only win by 18 points? They had more plays, 78 to 46. They averaged 5.7 yards per play, 26 first downs, 310 in the air, 7.69 per passing attempt, 141 rushing yards. The Giants had 29. They're missing offensive linemen. Look, there is trends on both sides here. Giants obviously looked better offensively. The big rumor is Brian DeBulls took it over the plane, calling in the second half, hence the comeback. 49ers, look, offense just seems to be clicking. I am a little worried about the amount that CMC is getting. That's why we did take uh, Elijah Mitchell over the 28 and a half yards running, which easily cashed. 49ers look good. Offensive line's playing better than I thought. It would completely control the point of the attack. And McCaffrey looks good. Am I worried about McCaffrey running down, hitting a wall? Goddamn right I am. Goddamn right I am. Especially with how much he's been playing and Shanahan running him into the ground. That's something the 49ers have to worry about. Purdy took that second year step. Looks a lot better. Defense back four looks good. So 49ers are a truck. I will say this. I mentioned this in my Thrive Fantasy video reminder. Every day there's an NFL game. I'll be doing Thrive Fantasy videos. Any tight end against the 49ers is a fade. Literally, they are shutting down tight ends. And it's kind of funny. We see all these. There's all these self-appointed fantasy football experts. Self-appointed betting experts. Seeing guys saying Darren Waller over his prop. Darren Waller starting fantasy football. Do you look at anything or are you just doing it because he's a big name with a low number? It's kind of funny and you can kind of tell who knows their shit and who doesn't know their shit when something like this happens. Um, Giants need to get the offensive line fixed. Need to rely so that way they could run. If they're not running for over 100 yards and relying on Daniel Jones to pass the ball, they're going to be in for it. 49ers, I bet their win total under. I'm going to say that's a loser right now. They look damn good. 49ers look damn good. Props to 49ers fans who got their tickets. Not in terms of tickets, future prices. Because that's a great ticket to be sitting on. I will say this. Video circling around of a fight in the stands. I don't understand why there's a fight while people just sit there with their phones and fucking videotape it. I will never for the life of me fucking understand that. There's a fight going on in the field. There's a fight fucking in front of you. Stop the fucking fight, dude. Stop the... Or just fucking walk away and don't be a part of it. But don't break out your motherfucking camera and fucking videotape it. That makes absolutely zero sense to me. And I'm not a fan of it. Those are my thoughts of the Thursday night game. Like I said, David is back. So let's see what NFL bets David and I are locking into this week we're back boys and girls we've reached the part of the podcast where we're talking nfl and the man the myth the legend david aka better dp 21 is joining us and we're going to talk some nfl david how are you doing today my man doing great man you know it's been a great start to the season i just started getting warmed up with my model and uh, i'm glad to be doing this with you again man i'm you know i know we took a little break from mlb um got a little busy toward the end of our summertime here but we have to be social, um, dude. This is our yeah, work. You know, you know exactly. We have to be social. You know, you know, we each have some stuff going on in our lives. Fun stuff. Oh, Fun yeah. Stuff. You know, so we, uh, you know, we took a little break. We're back at it. We're going to be 
recording these either Thursday night or Friday afternoon, depending on our schedule. Obviously, we're recording this one Thursday night. That's why it looks like David's in the goddamn cave right now. <laughs> but uh, I'm trying to find the right light, man. <laughs> we're gonna be we're gonna be talking. Basically, it's just four bets. I give yep. to player prop full game. David gives a full game and a half. Go back and forth. We'll keep track of it. We'll talk shit along the way. You know, you guys can DM us on Twitter or Instagram if you have any bets we want to talk about. David, you're the guest. Why don't you start us off? What is your first bet, my friend? All right. So first bet, we're starting first half. Uh, We're looking at the Rams and Bengals game. And we're looking at the over 21 for the first half. So reason being... You know, DeVoe rankings that I've got here, um, both of these teams are ranking in the bottom tier when it comes to their rushing defense. Rams are 30th, Bengals are 28th. Passing defense, Rams are 22nd, Bengals are 25th. On the opposite end, they're both middle, you know, middle tier to upper tier when it comes to their rushing offense. Um, you know, Rams have a better passing offense for sure, actually in the top five for myself. I definitely just look at poor defenses against just kind of like a shootout situation for themselves. Um, I'm actually modeling this for an average uh, first half score, right about 27, 28 points. So uh, I got 27 and a half. I'll round it up, call it 28. You know, we're getting like a full touchdown uh, advantage and edge over the book at that number 21 right now. So that's where I like it. It's that seems to be the best, uh, you know, edge advantage I see across most of the first half bets. Was going to give a different one out. That line's already moved against and yep. moved up. So you know, I had to kind of you know move you know to a place where I think people can still get money on this line. And I just want to say Elijah Mitchell just went over 20, 28. Hey, there you go. There we go. There we go. <laughs> there we go, Mitchell. Um, I like that bet a lot. I think there's going to be some scoring in that game, even if, um, you know, that Burrow and everything doesn't play. Right. Um, you know, Rams offense has looked great. I actually bet the Rams to win the West. Hmm. So I got them at, I like 20, that. 20, at 10 to one. I thought their offense was going to click. Um, defensively, you got Aaron Donald. Um Kyron Williams is electric. Offensive line is healthy. They drafted the kid from TCU, who I absolutely love in the left guard. My first one, going to a player prop. And this player prop is so absolutely dirty. I love it. Guess where we're going for the first player prop on the show, my friend? Oof. Got to be a Falcons game? Nope. We're going, but he is a former Falcon. Okay. He is a former Falcon. We are going to a journeyman tight end. We're going Zach Hurts. Close. (laughs) We're going Hayden Hurst over 28 and a half yards receiving. Last year, the Seattle Seahawks, second worst team in the league, defending the opposing team's tight end, given the second most yards per game. This year, they are they give up the fourth most yards per game to the opposing tight end position. So this is all the tight ends. 60 on the team, 66 yards per game. Look at the first game. Higby, three receptions, 43 yards. Last week against my, my Lions, Laporta, five receptions, 63 yards. Hurst, third in team, third in the team in targets, averages 30 and a half. Um yards per game and i'm not gonna lie i honestly feel with bryce young not playing this helps the prop even more because you actually have a quarterback over five foot seven back there who can see the whole field who won't lock in on one guy and run who actually distribute the ball so i think that actually helps Hurst because over his time frame of playing dalton does historically target the tight end so yeah hayden Hurst over 28 and a half yards receiving First player prop of the year, man. Woo. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, I was just looking at actually Seattle being one of the worst passing defensive uh, teams in the league right now. They're ranked number 31 by my DeVoe rankings. Um, 
yeah, it definitely leads itself to a lot of openings, um, you know, especially for what looks like a backup QB going to be uh, playing for Carolina. So let me ask you this. Like I talked to someone about the Monday night game. I, Gino, actually. Gino and I okay. recorded this yep, podcast yep. last night. And my statement was this. If Dalton plays that game for the Panthers, Panthers win that game against the Saints. You mean Seattle? No, 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 oh, no. Game, the my the Monday night football game. When oh, the oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Play the Saints on Monday night. Oh, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I Bryce Young. See why not? He ain't it. Uh, I just, I don't know. I just kind of think that Dahl in more experienced quarterback, bigger guy can see over the line. Hell, they can't even run a quarterback sneak with him because he's too goddamn small. He didn't even line up under the right center at one point. <laughs> like he lined up behind a lineman and not his center. Like, and, and then just, like his running back was putting him in the right position. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's, it's a brutal, it's a brutal time, but you know what? We're big Hayden Hurst guys here. So we're taking Hayden Hurst here over the 28 and a half. Like it. David first game side. All right. So full game. I'm going Bears at the Chiefs. I'm going Chiefs minus 12. Um, you know, I know it's a big number. I know we're talking about a Chiefs team that is notorious for winning and not covering in previous years. I think it's a new year. I, I want to believe it's a new year. I'm going to look at, you know, just across the board, this team. And first of all, I've got Chiefs winning this by better than two touchdowns. So they definitely can cover this number. Um, I've got them winning actually closer to minus almost three touchdowns. I got them at like minus wow. 19. Um, so I've got a really big edge on this game. Again, about a full touchdown edge uh, over what the book line is right now. You know, when I look at the DeVoe rankings uh, that I have offensively, defensively, um, you know, where they match up well is actually on the rushing side of the ball. Each of them have, um, you know, rankings that are probably middle of the pack 15 to 19 respectfully in terms of rushing defense and rushing offense also sitting 23, 24, very comparable on the rushing game where they separate is the chiefs passing game. So chiefs passing game, they're ranked my top 10 number seven, overall passing offense, passing defense. They are middle of the pack. Number 16 opposite end. The bears have no passing game whatsoever. They are passing defense. Number 30, Passing like offense politest. number 29. You're being way too polite here. They're awful. <laughs> They're terrible. And Fields, you know, so so robotic back there. I don't know what to call it. You know, they're they're not letting him play. I don't know if that's coaching or him at this point. I really don't. And, you know, and there's, a lot of, there's a lot of rumors coming out on both sides. So here, here's my thing. Now, hypothetically, let's say you're a GM and an owner. Mm-hmm. Let's say you just had a coach and when the player came in fields obviously there's no offense centered around him he was set up to fail in my eyes by matt nagy sure now you have one guy come in and matt Eberfus, who's a defensive alleged wizard comes in you have another guy who comes in with a multi-year written out plan and how he's going to develop your quarterback, your young quarterback. Right. Who would you have hired? And this guy. Obviously who wants to develop the quarterback. Like, and they didn't, they went with Eberfus. Right. And the bears, you can say what you want about Trubisky, but his measurables, if he got coaching, I think he would have been good. I agree. And I, I think this is more of a Bears internal issue than anything yeah. than anything else. And I've talked about this on my stream before, and I want to get your thought. With the quarterback class coming out, God. Fields' fifth-year option, <laughs> I mean, do they just, like, move them? Like, literally, like, do they just, like, say, hey, because I'll be honest, like, hypothetically, if I'm, if I'm Sean Payton in Denver – yeah, and you're gonna you have a top oh, it's definitely top. not Russ. No, God, but I'm saying either. like if you if you if you have a top pick, they have a top. Sure. Bears have a top pick, you know, Caleb Williams, whoever. Um, 
and they're going to draft him. And I'm Sean Payne. I'm like, dude, I'll, I'll give you a third. I'll give you a fourth for sure. fields. You know, because I just think, I just think in a different liking, different set of eyes, different scenario. I think he has a chance with the intangibles he has to be something, but it needs to happen sooner rather than later. I agree. Like, and I, I, I see all your points. Right. And I've read some similar things over this past week myself. Um, you know, just kind of looking at it from the macro view of, you know, where could, where could he fit? And sometimes you just, I don't know, maybe people just need like a better change of venue, if you will, change of leadership, change of everything. Uh, maybe it'll spark, you know, something for them. Um, I don't know what else to say about that right now, because I, I do think it's a little premature to give up on him, man. I followed that kid ever since I watched uh, the Netflix special about him, like, you know, QB 12 or whatever the hell it is, you know, and, and, and I thought he was great. Don't get me wrong. I haven't seen a lot of great Ohio state quarterbacks come out. You know what I mean? Like, and and so maybe they just don't live up to the hype as much as the receivers do when they come out of there. Um, Yeah. Cause they do have all the talent in the world. You know, that, that, that's another thing to think about it. Um, I just don't know. And everyone's like, well, the bears should have drafted Mahomes." I mean, would Mahomes have success if he came here? I don't know. Don't know. You, you know, we just we just don't know if he would have had that success. Um, it's always yeah. kind of like an an interesting debate to kind of have and kind of think about. And yeah. Um, but I also <laughs> not gonna lie. Like, if I'm those other quarterbacks in college, I might stay for one more year. Like, that's I, another I, know, thing. I, I know they don't have to prove anything, but. I'll, I would probably stay given the landscape of what the QB situation is in the NFL to a degree. They'd probably make more money in college and the NIL and, you know, I don't know, just there's, there's a multitude of factors behind that, of course, but I I don't know. I think that could be another direction of things happening that way. I took dust. uh, What's his name? May the quarterback from UNC for you, the first round pick just with my thought process was, Caleb Williams makes $12 million a year at USC. There you go. So you're at USC. You're walking around. You have all these like young women that are just throwing themselves at you. And you're playing college football in your early 20s. The king of the castle. Like I said. (laughs) You can go to Arizona and play. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't know. We saw the kid from Penn State do it. The kid from Penn State, the left tackle, yeah, who would have been a top five pick, came back for one more year. Yeah. And let's be honest, I, if my thought is this is one hundred percent true, I mean, Caleb Williams can do this, Dusty May can do that, Dustin May can do this. You just go to school for that first semester, and then you just leave and just train. Yep, you go to wherever. So it's going to be interesting. I I think Williams actually stays in school one more year. So I took May. To I be would shit man twelve million. Um, yeah, living the dream. <laughs> my my next bet, and I'm going dirty. I'm taking the Broncos plus six and a half. I will always look at betting as buying low, selling high. So here's some trends. Perceived stuff. Mm-hmm. So teams that are in week three, teams that are 0-2 straight as a record and 0-2 ATS are 63 and 42. That's 60% ATS in the spot. Okay. Teams week three, and this goes back to 2001, 0-2, 0-2 ATS that are dogs in week three, 50 and 29, 63.3%. Wow. Teams week three, 0-2, 0-2 ATS that are dogs on the road. 34 and 17, that's 66.7%. Teams that are 0-2, 0-2 ATS, playing a team that is 2-0 and 2-0 ATS, 59% ATS. So there's a lot of trends in this spot because of the perceived stuff of the market that favor the underdog. Then you look at Wilson. You can say what you want about him. 31 and 15. I have a lot to say about him. <laughs> 68% ATS. As a as a Bronco, as a dog, six and two. Peyton, 46, 29, and two, 61.3%. Yeah. 
everyone's talking about Vangio and this Dolphins defense. I did a little deep dive. Howard and Apple are in the bottom third of DBs graded by PFF in coverage. Mm-hmm. Howard looks old. Apple looks old. They are significantly missing Jalen Ramsey, who's out with that knee injury. So I oh, think yeah. that we'll be able to, to run on them. And then in yep. terms of the uh, the rushing game, Miami's given up 135 and a half yards rushing per game. That's the third most in the league. So I think P. Ryan, I think Williams, I think they're going to be able to get stuff going on the ground. And plus, they've had a lot of travel in the last two days, the Dolphins. Dolphins mm-hmm. were out in California, came oh, yeah. back down to Miami, traveled back right up to the Sunday night game on a short rest. And one thing I always look about is 70. 70 is the magic number for me for defensive plays. That defense was on the field for 71 plays. So I think this defense is going to be a little bit tired. I think the Broncos are going to be able to run the ball on them. Looked a little bit more. There's been seven drives inside the 20 against the um, against this defense. Six of the seven have, res- have resorted in touchdowns. So they're not getting red zones tops. Teams are getting six instead of three. And when we look, I rewatched that game this morning when I was on the treadmill, the game, the Pats against the um, against the Finns. There were six drives by the Patriots that went inside the Miami zone. And Damn. of those six drives, they only scored three points. They had eight total drives that went in to the zone. They had six drives when they only got three. I like, I I don't know. I think this is kind of a little bit skewed. And then you look at the Broncos, they lose week one, miss field goal and an extra point last week. They're averaging over six yards per play against the commanders. Huge league. Look, it was fluky. They took their, they took their foot off the metal. Yep. Commanders, like started running screen passes against yep. the shell defense was able to move the ball one you know ahead and then they get this lucky ass hail mary and then there's probably the clearest pi that i've literally ever seen in my whole fucking life oh everybody was looking for a flag no question oh my i mean everybody everybody so i mean i'm glad to a degree that the league's letting players play don't get me wrong but that was blatantly obvious. Like he didn't even there, there was the no ball. way there was. Yeah. There was no way he can make a play on that ball. Um, it was, it was brutal. Um, I think, and I, and I hear you and I hear you, but it should have never come down to that. <laughs> it was funny. Cause I was actually sitting at the bar next to the guys and I go, all right, so they just need a field goal with a touchdown and a two point conversion with like two minutes to go. Like that's not hard. And then, and then next, next thing you know, it's, they did the field goal. Then they actually throw the Hail Mary. And I'm like looking at everybody's looking at me. And I'm like, I mean, I, I spoke into existence. Like, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> I don't know. It's just one of those things. It, they were so. But I, I, think I like I like the play. Like, I like where you're at with all those trends. I definitely agree with you on the rushing game. I've got them both ranked in the top 10. Um, again, this the way they separate is in, in the passing game. Um, Miami's better in, in terms of that. But to your point. I do think it's closer. My line is actually very close to this line. Uh, I think line right now is six and a half. You said, Um, I, my, my model has it at seven. I mean, you were right on the number. Um, So if you, and then one thing you got to do is per me, I know a lot of people are looking at the Vikings game against the chargers to be high scoring. I think this has the potential to kind of sneak out and be a higher higher scoring game too. So, you know, that's my DFS. My DFS build is going to include a lot, a lot of these guys. David, always fun talking shop with you, man. Make sure you give my boy David a follow on Twitter and Instagram at betterdp21. Now let's shift our attention over to some fantasy football and see who Nick and I are going to be building our DFS lineups around this weekend. We have reached the part of the podcast where we're talking some fantasy football and who better to come on than Nick, a.k.a. at 
NAA Fantasy. Nick, how are you doing today, my friend? Doing well. How are you doing, Eric? I'm doing good, doing good. We got some interesting slate of games. A lot of big point spreads. Um, Those listening for the first time, what Nick and I do is we go over the quarterback, the running back, and the wide receiver position, and we give you guys three guys to build your DFS build around. We use DraftKings, so important to note, DraftKings is PPR. You do get a bonus for 100 yards rushing, 100 yards receiving, or 300 yards passing. So important to, to remember that while entering these lineups, if you plan FanDuel, stuff could change a little bit. So with that being said, let's jump into the quarterback position. My list of guys, my guys that I'm looking at this week, we got Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Herbie, Justin Herbert, Kirk Cousins, Russell Wilson, or a little shocker, the guy that's fourth in the NFL in passing yards, CJ Stroud. <laughs> nice. Uh, I've got Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Tua, Kirk Cousins, and Dak Prescott. So my reasoning for Mahomes, obviously, the Bears defense is not very good. They only have one sack on the year so far, which is last in the NFL. Mahomes isn't going to be pressured very much. So, you know, I think he can have a field day with that, uh, <laughs> with that defense there. Uh, he's a little, I mean, obviously he's the most expensive quarterback on the board. So, you know, that's, that's my only issue with it. Uh, putting him in the, in the lineup. Um, Herbert, you know, that game should be a shootout between the Chargers and Vikings, both teams looking to not go 0-3. Uh, so there's going to be some desperation there. Um, Tua, defense, Denver's defense has given up four passing touchdowns on the year already and a 72% completion rating to quarterbacks for quarterbacks in the first two games of the season. Um, Cousins. He's 6,900. Same thing as Herbert here. Obviously a desperation game. They need a win. Uh, but the Chargers are giving up 356 yards passing a game, 14.8 yards per completion, and a 70% completion rate, which is all dead last in the NFL. And then finally, Dak Prescott. I think he can get over 20 points, but the game script could easily go away from him to a run more run heavy if they get up big in that game. So that one, he could get he could get some points early, but kind of fade away at the end. So we're gonna eliminate Stroud. Um, eliminate Russell Wilson. We both have Cousins. Both have Herbert. Alan, I just looked at the weather report. Now we're doing this, recording this Friday afternoon. There is some weather concerns in Washington on the East Coast. My counter to Tua, Miami rain Sunday is, Miami weather Sunday is scattered thunderstorms, 40% chance of rain. Wet football, wet field may not be able to maybe may not be able to um, throw the ball around as much. Herbert is a little bit expensive. He is going against that defense though. Mahomes, bear. The thing about Mahomes is a, if it gets a blowout, what does he do? Yeah. B, we don't really know what the Bears' effort is going to be, you know, with all this stuff going on there. Like, do they just completely pack it in and no-show, which is a possibility. Um, So, and if that happens, could be a run attack. I think, to me, the two guys that played, A, in a controlled environment are Herbert and Cousins. They're playing inside, highest total on the board. So, there is going to be points in that game and two bad defenses too. two you bad know, defenses also... <laughs> two awful defenses defending the pass um yeah i guess the thing is do we want looking at this so i guess the thing is this we can look at it like this 
I think from what how we're talking right now, I think this is the game we want the back and forth with. So let's go down to our wide receiver position real sure. quick. Okay. So it's either we go Cousins, Jefferson. No, sorry. Cousins, Keenan Allen, Jefferson, or um, oh my God, Jefferson or Herbert. Because the other wide receivers, just kind of looking at the broad spread of the board, we talked about Jerry Jew. We talked about possible rain that kind of eliminates Tyreek Hill. Uh, Waddle's banged up. That kind of eliminates the Broncos wide receivers. Um, right. You know, which I was high on. Uh, call me, call me crazy. I think Tate Dell and Nico Collins are, are good this week. I think, I think they're, I think the Texans are going to be able to move, you know, move the ball this week against the Jags D or we have Amari Cooper is banged up. We got Jordan Anderson. We got, I don't know. Like I, we got Stefan Diggs. Commanders give up a lot. I guess my thing is this. Since we kind of dwindled it down, do you want to combo the wide receiver and the quarterback together? I mean, there's there's viability to it, but I still like, you know, like for example, if we go with Cousins, Jefferson's 9,300. And that's, to me, that's just too much. To, to rely on Jefferson. So because the pass defense of the Chargers is so bad, you know, Cousins can spread it around to multiple people. So if you go with Jefferson and he doesn't he doesn't make it worth the 9,300, and you don't – I mean, you could stack it with him and Cousins, but I like the fact that you can go with Cousins at 6,900 and he can spread the ball around to whoever he wants and you get all of it. You get all those production, production. And then – Right. And then on the other side of the ball, if we go with Cousins and then we go with a wide receiver on the Chargers side, like Keenan Allen, I mean, you think about it, his targets over the past 10 games, 8, 7, 14, 14, 9, 14, 6, 11, 9, 10. And he's averaging 19.6 fantasy points per game during that span. So Keenan Allen, who is uh, 7,600 this week. 6,900 and 7,600 over Jefferson, who's 9,300. And if you went with Herbert and Jefferson, that's Herbert 7,500 and Jefferson 9,300. Way more expensive. Um, So I think the Cousins-Allen stack there, um, you get both sides of the ball and you're not paying as much. And you can open things up more in your lineup. I like that. I like that a lot. You know, a little lower budget can open stuff up and that basically leaves us with $35,000 in our budget. If we go cousins and Allen, let's face it with Madison struggling. I don't think Cam Akers is going to play that much. I think that could actually lead to more quote unquote passing yards and production for Kirk cousins. So I like that. And if Jefferson does it, you hit the nail on the head, we get all that production. So, um, yeah, I kind of like we piggyback those two. Now the monkey in the room. What to do with the quarter, with the running back position. Now, Lions struggle against the run. No secret. Absolutely no secret. Lions struggle against the run. So immediately that puts Bijan Robinson and Tank Dell in not tank Dell, excuse me, Tyler or Algier into the mix. Yeah. Um, Algier, believe it or not, actually has more red zone carries and more overall carries than Bijan at this point right now. Aaron Jones, uh, Saints give up, gave up 4.37 yards of rush to the Titans, five yards of rush. To the Panthers, I think it's going to be a run attack, but we don't know. He's got that soft tissue injury. Yeah, must win game for the um, Pats. Do they lean on Stevenson? Do they give Stevenson the ball? We got Gibbs for the Lions. Monty is out, but 
the one thing that's become crystal clear to me is they don't want Gibbs running in between the tackles. Does that open up for more stuff for Craig Williams, Craig Reynolds, but Atlanta has been decent against the run. James Connor. We talk about it every week, only game in town. Uh, Raheem Mostert. Broncos are really bad defending the run. Kenneth Walker could be a heavy rushing attack against the Panthers, but flip side, they don't, they're missing their two tackles. Do we pivot to AJ Dillon? If I, if Aaron Jones doesn't play, but Dylan's not as big a factor in the passing game as Jones. We got Javante Williams just kind of chilling here. And if this is if there's gonna be a Javante game, I think this is the Javante game. Yeah. And then we got Jerome Ford, who's 4,800, who's gonna get the bulk of the carry because Hunt's not gonna be up to speed. He's the true number two. Yep. And they like to run and they like to run the ball in Cleveland. Where's your yeah. head? Yeah, I mean, Bijan, obviously, he's an option, you know, with the with the Lions being bad against the run. Um, you know, Pollard is also there. Good possibility for a positive game script for him uh, against the Cardinals because uh, they could get ahead and he just runs the ball. He is 8,000, though. Uh, Aaron Jones, like we said, I think Aaron Jones will be uh, – if, if he goes, he's going to be utilized a lot. Um, but still very big question mark there. So Dylan could be an option because, you know, he's really the only other guy in town there. Um, Gibbs with Montgomery probably out. Gibbs will get, should get some uptick in carries, but is it going to be enough? Is Craig Reynolds going to take some away from him? Uh, I like Walker. Uh, Carolina's given up the second most fantasy points to opposing running backs in the first two games of the season. Game script could be favorable with, you know, Bryce Young being out and uh, Dalton starting. And then Mostert, Denver's given up eight receptions for 114 yards to opposing running backs in the first two games of the season, just to note. Um, Javante. I mean, we saw the first game of Miami against the Chargers. Miami's defense was terrible against the run. Uh, right now they're, you know, 5.2 yards per carry given up. Um, 30.4 fantasy points per game via DraftKings. But a little skewed <laughs> due, due to that first game. But still, um, you know, Javante is definitely, that could be a Javante game there. Um, but I think we have to look at Jerome Ford because of the fact he looked good last week, taking over for Chubb. He's only 4,800 on DraftKings, which really opens things up. If you, if you put him in, he doesn't have a good matchup against Tennessee uh, because Tennessee's terrible against the pass, but they're actually very good against the run. But because the idea is that Jerome Ford's probably going to be heavily owned in DFS this week. So his price is low. If he goes off, we're with everyone else. If he doesn't go off, we didn't spend that much on him, and it gives us the ability to open up our lineup. Um, so I like I like building around Ford in the running back spot here. And also, I guess, like another way to look at it is if he doesn't go off, he didn't go off for anybody else. So if he goes off, we have the production. If he doesn't go off, we're just trusting our build is going to be better than everybody else. Because he's going to be over 60% owned. That's what I'm projecting. Right. It's not like Jefferson. Like if you go with Justin Jefferson at 9,300 and he doesn't go off, he's probably not that highly owned and you just wasted 9,300 in your lineup. Yeah. And you're done. You're absolutely yeah. done. Yeah. You're done. <laughs> um, Now. So basically that's it. I agree with that. I agree with your thought process there. The three that we are going to be building around are Jerome Ford, Kirk Cousins and Keenan Allen. That is going to leave you with 30,700 in Draft Kings. Now we're going to shift our attention over to our start sit questions, but we did get some just overall questions sent in. One gentleman sent in, I handcuffed Chubb and got Ford, but I wasn't able to get Hunt on waivers. How worried? Should I be that Hunt signed with the Browns? Yeah, I wouldn't be too worried right now. I mean, Ford looked great last week. 
And, you know, he was also able to get some receptions out of the backfield and even caught a touchdown last week in the game. Hunt will be that complimentary back, just like he was with, uh, with Chubb there in Cleveland. Um, so I really think Ford should stay as the workhorse. I don't, I wouldn't, I don't see any worry right now with that. Mm-hmm. Next question. I have Puka and I'm thin at the running back position due to Eckler and Chubb injuries. Should I look to trade Puka with his price being the highest? Yeah. Looking long-term, I say yes. Puka, you know, he's going to get, he's going to be in the backseat, you know, once Cooper cup comes back, which he's slated to come back week five. So you still got a couple of weeks. I think if you, if you're, if you're having issues like that with running backs, if you can get a decent running back to replace Chubb, I say do it because otherwise Puka is not going to have most likely not going to have any value when cup comes back. Antonio Gibson or Joshua Kelly? <laughs> I like Kelly here. Eckler might not play, and Kelly would be in line for the starting role if Eckler doesn't go. Um, even if Eckler does play, I think Kelly will probably see an uptick in opportunities because the Chargers will want to tread lightly with Eckler and his and his injuries. And then Antonio Gibson, I mean, he has really not impressed very much so far this year, and they've been using Robinson a lot more. So I'm on Kelly in that one. In the flex, Brian Robinson or Elijah Moore? Uh, so this hinges on a couple of things. If Amari Cooper doesn't play, I actually like Elijah Moore here because Tennessee's pass defense is still the bottom of the barrel, just like last year. Otherwise, stick with Robinson because he's getting the bulk of the production over Gibson. But you got to watch and see uh, if Amari Cooper goes or not. If he doesn't go, go with Moore. Uh, because in my opinion, I think Buffalo is going to put a hurting on Washington. Washington to me is not a true two and O team. Um, so Brian Robinson might see his uh, production go down a little bit because he might get beat up by Buffalo's defense. <laughs> not a true. So they're a fake two and O team. Yeah. Fake. They're not, they're not a true two and O team. <laughs> um, Lastly, Gabe question, Dave question, Dave Davis or two two eight twelve. I'm gonna go with Gabe Davis because the Commanders are giving up almost 17 yards per catch to opposing wide receivers. Oh wow! And, yeah, ouch, ouch. <laughs> I mean, that's that's some brutal numbers. So I think uh, I think Diggs and Davis can uh, can eat in that game. Okay. I like it. I like it. Nick, I'd like to thank you for taking time out of your day, coming on, talking some fantasy football. We are be here every single week talking DFS, telling you who to build around. Nick, why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on social media, my friend? You can find me at, at NAA Fantasy on X. Make sure to give my boy Nick a follow and, uh, you know, let's keep cashing and uh, we'll talk next week, my friend. Sounds good. Good luck. Make sure you give my boy Nick a follow at NAA Fantasy. Now let's shift our attention over to some CFL. We have reached the part of the podcast where we're talking some CFL and who better to come on than the man, the myth, the legend, XFL Jim. Jim, how you doing today, my man? Eric, I've been having a fucking week, let me tell you. <laughs> Haven't we all? Um, you know, I'd like to thank you for coming on. You're, run, you're probably running around with your head cut off with the news of the XFL and USFL potentially be merging. When you first heard the news, what was your initial reaction? Shock, actually. It was just pure shock. And then you get the little tinge of excitement with some new development in spring football. There's this like the itch of excitement of what could happen. What does this mean? Um, it's the, the boundless possibilities kind of excite me. Um, and now I have like a nervous worry excitement. Like I'm, I'm also nervous of like, will it, will this be the best move for both leagues? I, there's a, there's a lot of feelings mixed up in my body at the moment. So your body's going through a lot right now is what you're saying. Yeah. Have you ever taken like really hard drugs and then oh. just stayed up late? No. 
Jim, I'm straight. You ever seen the movie Unnecessary Roughness? Yeah. The old school football movie where Scott Bakula goes back to school and leads Texas State to one win. Mm-hmm. I'm like straight arrow Gennaro. That's me, dude. I drink. That's it. That's straight, fair. Straight, straight arrow, Uncle Rico. Uh, let's jump into these CFL games. Obviously, Friday night slate starts out with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders laying one and a half over under 45 against the Ottawa Red Blacks. Money line is minus 130 per Saskatchewan plus 110 for the Red Blacks. What say you, my friend? Uh, small lean on the Rough Riders here. I just don't trust the Red Blacks to like, you know, with this small of the spread. I don't trust them to get the dub, so I'd probably take the Rough Riders here, but I'm going to stay away. I would probably take the Rough Riders as well. I completely agree with you. I do not trust um, – what's his face? Crumb! Uh, Dustin Crumb! He sounds – he's got the name of a – of a like a villain, of like a high school-aged villain in like a young adult fantasy novel. Um, it just – Harry Potter ass name Dustin Crumb. I just I just can't believe it. Like it's just um, I just can't believe he's actually started. Um, I just don't think he's any good. I think he's the worst quarterback in the league. Um, he's very limited in what he can do. I'm surprised there aren't better options. And that's all I'm going to say about my hatred for Crumb. Yep. I'll take the rough, rough, rough Riders on the money line next. BC Edmonton Edmonton getting six and a half. Plus 260 on the money line, over under 49 and a half. What say you, my friend? We them boys, we ride with them Elks. Give me the Elks plus six and a half. And I'm going to sprinkle on the money line because I'm just riding with it right now. Over under 49 and a half. Not to mention, pressure situation for BC. They're in a win in their in spot right now. They need to win and they get a playoff spot. So all the pressure right now is on BC. Also, also... BC on the road, especially defensively, has been very suspect all season. So I love Edmonton here. I don't care that they just come off a win. I'm done fading Edmonton off wins. They've proven me wrong here. This team is riding it, and I'm riding with them. They're hot. You know, they found the guy at quarterback. They're playing well. The team has seemed to bought in. Everything seems to be clicking. And with the season being so goddamn long in the CFL, it's kind of about peaking at the right time. They seem to be peaking at the right time. Hopefully they can sneak into the playoffs. I like him here at two at plus six and a half. Next, if they see we if got, they see in the playoffs, I'm gonna do a lot of crazy things. Next, we got Montreal uh, and Calgary. Basically, a pick them here over under forty eight. What say you, my friend? Crazy situation. If Calgary loses this one, then BC's in regardless of the outcome on Friday. So. This is kind of a matchup of like air. I think the entire year in our power ranking systems, we've had these teams at either like five or six, like right yeah. in there. Like, yeah. I think Montreal maybe got as high as four at one point, but they've never really been anything higher than that. I like Calgary at home. I think Montreal's kind of fading down the stretch. I don't like their offensive line. I do like the run game that they have, but I'm going to get Calgary at home. I'm going to get Calgary in the point. Just like both these teams were eh. Give me Montreal that. coming off an emotional game against their rivals. Look, I'm going to I'm gonna fade them. I'm just going to fade them as is. I will take I'm, – I'm just fading Montreal here. That's, that's basically all I'm doing. Um, last game, we got the Tiger, Tiger Cats getting nine. At Toronto, over under 49 and a half. Toronto's already clinched. Try not to get people hurt. Yeah, Toronto not only clinched, they clinched the division. They they win their division already. They they won it. They're done. Yep. Um and we've already seen throughout the season how Toronto likes to coast. I wonder if they try maybe and to like start playing into playoff shape here. Um, with the last few weeks, because I think there's only like five or six weeks left. Uh, but I just, there's too many points. I agree 100%. I think this is just way too many points. I, um, yeah, way too many points. I will take the Tiger Cats here plus the nine and a half. 
Uh, you mentioned the power rankings really quick, which I wanted to get into. But before we get into that, uh, why don't you tell everyone what remind everyone what you are betting? Okay, so Friday night, I've just got three plays in Friday. Edmonton plus six and a half, sprinkle that money line over 49 and a half. I'm taking Calgary in a pick 'em against Montreal. Like Eric said, we're really just fading Montreal. And I'm going to ride with the Ticats plus the 9.5. I don't know if they can get the win. I don't know if I trust Hamilton to get a win in Toronto. But I do like them to cover that spread. Also, if it, if you see a 10 out there, go for that. Like, get that. <laughs> um, I like the Elks. I'll be betting the Elks, too. Uh, I'll be betting uh, Calgary, pick them. I'll be taking the Tiger Cats here plus the 9.5. Uh, this week's power rankings, starting off at nine. Jim, who you got? Ottawa! Ottawa. Two, eight, who you got? Oh, God. I, you know I'm going to boost my boys up? I'm not putting Edmonton today. I'm going to put... It's got to be either... Cal- it's got to be Calgary, yeah. Seven. Um, I'll probably put the Elks at seven. I'm not yeah, going to... I'm not going to go crazy. I get the Elks at seven. Uh, six. Uh, Hamilton. I'm going to put Montreal. Still. Five. Montreal. I got the Rough Riders. Four. That's where I have the Rough Riders. I got Tiger Cats. Three. BC? Yeah, BC. Two? Uh, It's weird to say. Right now, I guess Winnipeg at the moment. It's. See, I put Toronto at two, Winnipeg at one. Either way, they like, they both look suspect at points. They both look world like apart at points. I don't know, but I think this is like you're, these are your top two, and then it's BC, and then it's like Saskatchewan and Hamilton, hmm. and then it's Edmonton and Calgary and Montreal are kind of like, and then Ottawa is just on the bottom right now. I'm just letting you know, Jim. Like, there's this guy. I forget the guy's name. Uh, he was a huge Pitt fan. And I, I used to watch the college football show on ESPN when I was a kid. Every single week, they do his, he'd do his top five, and he'd always put Pitt at one, even though they sucked. And I don't think I'm going to do that next year with Edmonton. I think that's going to be my gag. Eric, real- Eric um, I just did a show yesterday where I was, like, super pissed off about the AP Top 25. So I can I'll, I will be biased in my rankings. I'll put Edmonton right up there with you at number one. Jim, I'd like to thank you for coming on. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on social media and when the next time Cooking with Jim will be? So normally I would say Cooking with Jim would be tomorrow night, like Thursday night. Usually they're on Thursdays. But this week in particular, I had to scrap every plan that I had because I'm doing a big video with XFL Jim and USFL Jim, obviously, talking about the merger. So I'm going to have a big merger video. It's coming out uh, Friday. So be tuned in for that. It's all, if you're watching this Friday or listening to this Friday, it's already out. You can find it on YouTube, XFL Gym. You can find me on Twitter, at XFL Gym, Instagram, XFL Gym, everywhere, XFL Gym. But there's a lot going on. I'm going to have more videos talking about the potential merger between the XFL and USFL and what that can mean for just the zeitgeist that is spring football. Jim, I'd like to thank you for coming on. Make sure you give my boy Jim a follow. Make sure you check Jim chase and myself out this saturday morning at 9 30 eastern time for some college football the college football tailgate big week big week huge week that's looking forward to it we'll talk next week my friend please give my boy jim a follow at xfl jim we did a great show called spring fever it's on my youtube channel we're talking about the usfl and xfl potential merger make sure to check that out if you missed it follow jim for the best cfl xfl and usfl knowledge Now let's shift our attention over to some NASCAR. We have reached the part of the podcast where we are talking some NASCAR and who better than come on than Brandon, a.k.a. at BostonBoy83. Brandon, what's up, man? What's new, dude? How you doing? Due for a winner, dude. Due for a winner. Overall, up on the year, um, obviously, last, um, last week did not go as we had hoped. My favorite driver ever, Uncle Kev. Eliminated. Um I was sitting on I was sitting on Larson, finished second. 
I was sitting on Busher over Bell. Bell finished third. Busher finished fourth. Um, but you know what? On to the next one. Um, two surprises though: Logano and Harvick out of the playoffs. Love it and hate it. Would have loved to see Uncle Kev keep going, but boy, watching Logano drop in round one is music to my ears. Um, so we're down to 12 drivers. 12 drivers that are left are Iron, Truex, Hamlin, Larson, Busher, Bush, Bell, Reddick, Chastain, Kozlowski, Blaney, and Bubba. So down to 12. Going to Texas, I have three bets. I believe you have the same. I'll let you kick off. I'm going with Willie B, eight to one. Uh, the man stepped up all season. I feel that even though he has a cushion right now in in the first round, I still see him wanting to build off of that. Hendrick, this track runs so different ever since they redid it. Turn one, turn one and turn two is this weird arc in. Tires are going to be, I'm going to just say magical due to the fact that tire wear, at least in my iRacing race last night, after a good 20 lap run, fresh set of tires were one and a half to almost two seconds faster. So being able to save these tires early, you're going to watch guys drop back. But I feel like this entire strategy race, being able to save the tire, this is a William Byron style track. So I'm going with Willie B8 to one. I took Byron, but I did Byron over Truex. Um, his type of track, this season is finished at this track's types have been first, second, eighth, fourth, and 15th. Finished seventh year last year, one in 2001. Truex has actually struggled here. Let's look at his last four finishes 31, 14, and 25. Also, he is 0 for 32 here in his career. He has never won here. Historically a bad track. This is minus 120. I'm taking Byron over Truex, minus 120. I like it. Uh, My next guy, he's five points above the cut line. Um, Last year, he played to win to get in for each round. I don't think he's going to want to set himself up for that, that spot again this year. So I'm seeing him having a big race to move up above the cut line and not have to play catch up is uh, Christopher Bell at 9-1. to Um, I've liked him all year. Young, drives well. Another guy that's good at managing tires and just letting the race come to him. But uh, I don't see him running the rest of this season trying to get in at the last minute. So I see him doing more strategy in this race because he can do that and setting himself up going into Talladega next week. All right, yeah, Talladega next week. I like it. My next one, I'm going to Blaney. I got Blaney at 12 to 1. One win and four top tens on intermediate tracks this season. Last time he finished outside of the top 10 in Texas. Care to guess? Last time he finished outside the top 10? Yes. 2016. 2019. Okay. Nine of his last 10 races here. He's been in the top 10. Sneakily very good at this track. I'm taking Blaney at 12 to 1. I like it. And he's six points below the cutoff. And, you know, after last season, he's going to be another guy that doesn't want to have to chase this whole this whole playoff format. I'm going with a guy that's uh, three points below the cutoff that I see literally driving the wheels off of this. So it's either going to go really good or really bad. So I'm going to say it's kind of my long shot. I'm going with uh, Ross Chastain. 22 to one. He's been quiet recently. What happens when Ross gets quiet for a few weeks? He normally makes some noise, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing with other drivers. Um, I see him 22 to one. I'd like it. A playoff driver with odds that high. Um, rocking the, the Chastain train at Texas. My next one. Going to your boy. Kyle Busch. Kidding. kidding. Oh, um, good one. That was a good segue. I liked it. You got me. You know, last two races, he's crashed. But if I throw those out, 
the five before one wins all of all of those five races he finished in the top 10 so take out the last two days crashed he's historically done well here last five races on intermediate tracks this season four top tens in 32 intermediate one and a half mile track size races he has 14 top fives and four wins just good at this one and a half intermediate style track has done well here take out the last two 16 to one battling for the playoffs i like it i i like uh kurt bush 16 to one here you like kurt bush oh kyle bush sorry sorry kyle bush kyle bush my fault speaking of kurt dude it's kind of been brushed under the rug yeah um I mean, you're really in the know. Do you have any idea what is going on? Should we just assume he's retired? Like, I think, I think it's definitely medical. I do think that the way the impact happened, something has caused him to not be able to physically, mentally get back in the car. Um, for them to say doctors wouldn't clear him 100%. I don't know what, what kind of tests they put him through or what kind of G-forces or, or any type of simulation of an actual car he did. But to not see him test and them not showing any testing and then him come back saying he wasn't fully cleared. Um, I hope he's doing okay outside the car for sure. But um, to your point, it's brushed under the rug. It's I'm not medically cleared, I'm retiring. It's like... Uh, Did he, has, he, has he officially retired? 100%, yes. He's Oh, I didn't see. I, I didn't even know he officially retired. That's I, what, there, there's your point, though. Like, it was so brushed under that. Like, it wasn't even, I don't know. It's just, it was something, I don't want to say little, but when you, it wasn't like a crash where you're like, oh, shit. If that, you know what I mean? It wasn't yeah. like one of those ones where you're like, oh. You know, we've seen ones this year, the one at the last, um, what, Daytona. Who was the guy that crashed? Pence or whatever, right? Freaks. Yeah. Freaks, whatever. You know, and we're like, oh, shit, is he okay? You know, it was a violent crash. Bush was just practice and just kind of, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, the, it, the whole thing to me is insanely weird. Yes and no. You look at the two crashes, you had a lot of flipping through the air, right? So you had some impacts, but there's a lot of gravity-related impacts. You look at Bush's, he backed that thing square into a wall before these cars were prepared to be able to take that kind of impact. So I almost look at it as a crash dummy hitting a wall, and it's just that brutal one-force stop. Priest kept going. And the momentum kept his body was able to go with it. So I'm with you. Go hate to bring it up. Go back to Dale Senior. The wreck looked like just a standard wreck where a guy got turned into a wall. It happened to Blaney, and Blaney walked away perfectly fine. So kudos to NASCAR for how far along they have come. They hate it for Kurt the backing into wall at practice and it resulting in something like this into retirement. Hey, I hate it too. I like her. One of my favorite guys. Uh, liked him a lot. One of my favorite racers. Lost him and I've lost Harvick. So it's been a rough round for my boys. So hey, I chased the name, make it in. So welcome to the couch party, my dude. Welcome to the couch party. Uh, Brandon, I'd like to thank you for uh, coming on, talking to some NASCAR. Always appreciate you taking time out of your day. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on social media, how you did on your last iRace, and when is your next iRace? Uh, Boston Boy 83, Instagram, Twitch, Twitter, uh, finished third, so another top five. We uh, qualified eight, dropped back to 15 to save the tires out of 134 laps, really started feeling it around lap 90. So two guys out front were fast, had trouble touching them, was two seconds behind. But take a top three at a podium all day long at a track like Texas that I'm normally not comfortable with. And we're on to Talladega, which we all know how that goes next uh, Wednesday night at eight or nine Wednesday night at nine. Yeah, make sure to check that out. I will tweet and Instagram that out. 
always appreciate it, man. And uh, let's get some winners, and hopefully we can get a Pats winner on uh, Sunday because I hate the Jets. We're due for – whoa. Okay, that threw me off. Yes, <laughs> need a Pats win, please. I don't want to go down 0-3. All right, we'll talk, uh, we'll talk next week, my friend. Let's cash some tickets. Make sure you give my boy Brandon a follow at BostonBoy83. Thanks for tuning in. Great show today. Make sure you give all my guests Brandon a follow at BostonBoy83. Jim a follow at XFLGym. Also, my boy Nick a follow at NAAFantasy and David at BetterDP21. Great weekend of football. Check out Jim Chase and I on the college football tailgate. Gino and I will be live Sunday morning sharing our NFL bets, going over the card and everything. Plus, Chase is going to be this week's guest on the ETOF21 Sports Show this Tuesday. Make sure to check that out. Let's cash some tickets. Let's make some money. Until next week, boys and girls.